Thank you for joining me today on Good News with Twanda Black, where we are discovering some of the most inspiring trials to triumph stories and empowerment moments. Call up a friend and let them know it's time for some good news. Hello and welcome to Good News with Twanda Black. I am your host. We talk with folks from all around the world about their good news. Because ultimately, if your brother and sister is having prosperity, if they're having good news, then you're good. You're having good news. So we're always happy and joyful to celebrate other folks' good news, right? Yes, yes, yes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this next guest. Joining us today, award-winning author, playwright, filmmaker, Ruth Watson. She is here to talk about her new book. How you doing, Miss Ruth? Oh, I'm great. I'm so glad to be on your show. I mean, I'm so happy to have you. You know, I love you like a mama, uh, maybe, or maybe an older sister. Not yes. sure. <laughs> older sister sounds good, but you okay, know, mama okay. might be all right too, because. Everybody call me mama. They say I act like a mama all the time. You do. You do. I can't help myself. You do. <laughs> now, I don't know. A lot of you may not know Ruth or her work, but um, she did Blackberry Days. Oh, my God. It was a series. Ruth, that was, I. you know, and I remember, you know, we interviewed a long, long time ago on those because that was in the 2000s. But those books I could not put down and I was waiting for the next one. I was like, I can't wait for the next one to come out. It was, it was, and you do these period pieces. Why do you choose to do books in different periods of time? Well, I, I, I have a, a, just a passion for history and I want to go back and understand why things are happening today. And mm -hmm. When you go back and you start to look at other people's lives and the things that they've gone through, you realize this is so much of that story that we haven't heard about. Or we want to hear about again, it's happening today, but in a different format. So in a more, uh, what you say, up-to-date format. Yeah, yeah. I just have to go back and tell those stories. And I always, I want to remind us of where we've come from and what used to be as to what we're dealing with now. Absolutely. And yeah. That's why yeah. I do that. So, so talk about, I mean, before we get to the book, because it's going to be relevant to the this book as well. Research. How much time does it take you to write a book? Because I know that there's so much research that goes along with that. I can honestly tell you that if I just write a book, without research it might take me about about six months seven months mm -hmm. but it takes me with research because i research everything i want to make sure we're in the right time period i want to make sure the furniture is correct yeah, I yeah. Make sure the whole atmosphere is in that time period and it sometimes can take me to want a, a year and a half to write a book Whereas it might take somebody else a lot less time. Yeah. But I put a lot of efforts into making sure that when you go back and you look up the characters or some of the things and places in the book, 
that they become real to you because you realize they are real places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just the names have changed, the people have changed, and it's fictitious, but it's real. You know, um, and and with this book, uh, a right worthy woman, um, down to the corsets, the cobblestone streets, the 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 ice boxes, the I mean, all the details were just so spot on for that time and, and, and i thought about it i said my god how much research did she had to do for all this the details you know the tiny tiny details that's a lot a lot of research i think this book probably is probably one of the most researched novel wow. that i've ever done and wow. even the comments that i've been receiving from people it's like wow you have researched it down to the t yeah I wanted to give Miss Maggie Walker her just due. And yeah. to do that, I had to do everything I possibly could to bring her to life. Because as you know, it's been 120 years since she did what she did. And right. the world knows nothing. She's a hidden figure. Yeah. The world knows nothing about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to do it for her. And when I sat to write the book you know i was saying miss maggie talk to me <laughs> maggie, talk to me yeah let me get it right let me give you your just due because you are you definitely you have been someone that people sort of have swept under the rug Swept under the rug. We didn't even know her. I mean, really? Didn't even. I mean, everybody's telling me that. Even people who teach African American history are yeah. telling me that. Wait a minute. We were talking about Madam C. J. Walker. No, mm -hmm. we're talking about Miss Maggie Lena Walker. Walker. Yes, yes. You know, yes. We're, we're 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 in the book. So let's talk about a right worthy woman. I know you got yours. I got mine. <laughs> yeah, I do. I got mine too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome book. Um, and and as always, that's what I expect from you from from day one of your books. Um, but as I said, you researched this down to the dirt. Okay, you researched <laughs> it down to the earth, honey. Um, so talk about Magdalena Walker's birth. Let's start there because um, that's a very important piece of from from start to finish. Her birth is is you know is integral to this story. Yes, who she is. I mean, yeah. who people think she is, as opposed to who she thinks she is. Right. Who right. she knows she is. Um, her because she's of mixed race. Her father was a Confederate soldier. Can you imagine? Mm -mm. A Confederate soldier, not a Union soldier. Confederate, <laughs> Confederate. Soldier. <laughs> right? You know, uh, who should have been against slavery? I mean, should be for slavery. He was a, pro a proponent of slavery, and he was fighting for to to keep slaves in their place and to keep the industries uh, going, the, the farming industry going in the South. And he meets her mother. And strangely, he meets her at a union spy's home. 
Mm. Her mother works in the union spy's home, but of course they don't know she's a union spy. Nobody knows that. Yeah. But she really was. And she took a lot of hard hits because of it. Because what she did, she freed her slaves before 1865. Yeah. She freed her slaves and started giving them a little salary so they can make some money while they worked for her. So Miss Van Lu, right? Yes. This her name was Elizabeth Van Lu. That's right. Mm -hmm. A union spy. And you know, when the soldiers would come into town, they'd go to different places to rest, to eat, to be taken care of. And her mother, Elizabeth, which your mother's name is Elizabeth too, they used to call her Lizzie, took care of the soldiers. And for some reason, now I have, there's different points of views when I was researching this. It said it was a love story, mm. that he fell in love with her. But I'm not so sure about that. You know, it could have been a love story. It could also have been a factor of, I'm gonna take advantage. I'm entitled to take you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but either way, there there was this little baby born, uh, Magdalena Walker. And her mother ended up marrying someone else who, who worked in the home too, mm -hmm. who loved her mother. And he became her father. That's the only father she knew. So her story, her, her, she originated in a place of conflict. And I'd say conflict because at this point, you don't know what or how she got here. Right, right. You know, to um, a place of struggle and challenge, mm -hmm. challenges that were just each step she made, something happened in her life to sort of push her that further, that much further backward. But she was such a strong person. Her state of mind was different from most. And mm -hmm. I have to believe that knowing that you lived, that your mother lived in the house of a union spy had something to do with it. You know, well, her mother, her mother told the stories, even after Miss Van Lu was dead, her mother repeated those stories. She regaled those stories to her. So Van Lu became the superheroine, you know? And to, to Maggie, she was just a superwoman. Yes, yeah. she was. Mm -hmm. but, but more importantly, she got to see her mother yeah. in a position of authority. Her, where her mother, when she was faced with, with her father's death, yeah. and had no money, absolutely no money, she saw her mother take on the role of of a father and say, hey, we're gonna I'm gonna take care of this family. We yeah. will not fall apart. So she had her mother's strength already ingrained in her as part of her DNA. Mm -hmm. But in mm -hmm. the stories that her mother told her about Miss Elizabeth Van Lu sort of just heightened it her did. abilities. Yeah. So she just took everything around her 
and turn it into something positive. She did. She she was like, I, I could see her little face. She was so determined in everything she did. So, so talk about her growing up in the environment with the order. Uh, and you can talk about what that is and um, how she just took it on. She took it to heart. It was an amazing thing to see for a 12 year old, you know? Yeah. I mean, she, she was just uh, beyond her years. Um, she attended church and the, you know, the order, the fraternal order of St. Luke Yeah, met there at the church and she started uh, going to the meetings, you know, a young girl, 12 years old, going to the meetings, figuring out that she could do something for the youth. Uh, you know, I'm going to go up here and help the youth get it together because uh, these people are doing some mighty great work for our community because the fraternal order were burying family members who died because to bury someone back then and anytime is even expensive now to bury someone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People couldn't afford to bury their their own family members. So the fraternal order would pay for that. And she saw them helping people, helping families who couldn't feed themselves. And for some reason, this young girl took on the fact that, okay, I need to do something because if, if they can do this, then I need to be a part of whatever's happening with this order. Mm -hmm. And she started making it a regular thing, going to the order meetings all of her life. And it started at 12 years old. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, amazing. And, and then, I mean, the, the big thing was that because of her, the youth division grew, overgrew the adult division. And they were like, what's happening over there? Why we need some of that over here. And um, I mean, they were amazed with her. They were amazed with what she was doing. Yes. I mean, she was somebody that had to have such a strong constitution and such a strong faith. In, in God or I call it the supernatural people mm -hmm. don't like me to say the supernatural because it may be assumed that she was a little you know flighty or whatever <laughs> but the supernatural to me is God almighty or the big universe as we see it well she was definitely God fearing now yes she was God fearing yes Yes. So this story starts in 1876 in Richmond, Virginia. Um, amazing time. So we're talking about the 1800s um, all the way up to her death, uh, which I think 1934. 1934. Amazing. Um, but the things this woman did. Okay. First of all, they said that she acted like a man. That was kind of funny to me. Um and to, in today's environment, they would probably call her something else. Yes. But, <laughs> but she was powerful. I mean, it. I mean, she she walked the street. She knocked on doors. She wasn't scared to talk to nobody. She was she was on fire. 
Yeah, and you know, I think about all the powerful women in the world. Every powerful woman in the world have been called gay. Mm. They're lesbians, they're bisexual. They're everything but a powerful woman. woman. That's right. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine in the 1800s, they were saying all kinds of yes, things. Yes, yes, yes. This woman is not no real woman. This mm-hmm. woman is a man, but she had a husband who loved her. But wait a minute, let's go back to the point of she was so fair-skinned, they said she could be passing if she wanted to. And she was like, I'm black. Yeah. She was because like, no, she, I'm black. Yeah. She, has, she never, ever felt anything but being black. Right. But even when people would say, oh, she could pass. She is this because she's mixed race. She would say, you know, that's their problem. That's not my problem. I know who I am. Right. Black right. woman, and I'm fighting for black women. So the black woman, women would not be domestic workers all their lives. And that they would bring to the table a talent. And this lady sought out to do that in any way she knew how. She did. And she, she did. trained women, black women. Yes. I mean, having a a retail store that competed with the in-town store where everybody was buying their stuff from. Oh, my God. I thought they were going to kill her not to have that store to open. They didn't really care about the bank because the bank wasn't doing anything at the time. Right. Exactly. When she opened that store and they were like, oh, you're taking business away from our people. They're like, we just and she was always like, we just wanted we want to stay out y'all's way. We want to do our little thing over here and help our people. And I thought she was going to die because of that store now. Yeah, but you know, I thought when I was writing that, I said, you know, Miss Maggie, tell me what what would you have done? Mm -hmm. Miss Maggie was thinking strategically about everything that she did. She She hated the fact that when she had to go into the bigger department stores, we had to go into the color of us color. Right. The back. Yeah. Going through the back or the side door. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't even try on the clothes that we bought. And couldn't take it back. And Mm-mm. couldn't take it back. You couldn't return it once you left right. the store. So we were in a bad situation. And we had no place else to shop. And she said, okay, we'll build our own department store. Yeah. And we'll go, I'll go to New York. And when she went to New York, and talk to the merchandisers because she needed to get the same supplies that they got. And she did that. And her st- her store was flourishing. Yeah. But of course, it was building, it was prospering. People were coming to buy from her and her emporium. And you know, she had three floors. Yeah. That, that was amazing. Three floors. And she had everything. And she had some of the African-American businesses in the store. So mm-hmm. if you had something that you wanted to sell, you could sell it at her Come in. Right. Yeah. She said, bring my people in. Let them sell. She had, she was so clever that she, her mannequins were black. <laughs> like, yes. oh, you know, they're like, this is, these are my people. She put her mannequins yep. in the window. They were brown. 
Yeah. And, and yeah. there's some controversy which people say, well, brown mannequins weren't they weren't available until 19 something. She had them colored. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. paint, mm -hmm. she painted her own mannequins. She made sure that people understood that these were black people doing yeah. great things. Yeah. Yeah. And they could buy from their own store the mm -hmm. same quality that you bought from the other store. Exactly. Even cheaper. So yeah. she started even stealing some of the white customers. Mm -hmm. They wanted to come and buy from her. <laughs> and that's when they got angry. And that's when they stopped the merchandisers. Yeah, they stopped her. They stopped, oh, they stopped her. Ooh, it was earth shattering. You stop a business because it's taken away from your business. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love about her that she just kept moving. She, she, yep, sure, they stopped the merchandise. There was nothing she could do about it. She shut it down and kept moving. Then she really began working on the bank. And um, you added stories in there about W.E.B. Du Bois and Mary McLeod Bethune, who were good friends of hers, who came to eat at her house and strategize and talk about the issues of the day. It was amazing. Amazing. I felt like I was in the kitchen every time they were in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, and, and they actually did do that. Mm -hmm. Because back, that, back then, it's just like today. The powerhouses must come together so that they could share ideas as to mm -hmm. how we can grow as a race. And, and can you imagine Jim Crow? We just got um, in, we, we were just told that we were no longer slaves. Mm -hmm. And then this clown goes around and tells everybody, we are the worst of the worst. And he does a minstrel show and people believe a clown mm. what's real. Right, right. He started a big rumor that became legislature that they took everything back that was given, even the right to vote because of this man. Um, <laughs> I had to put that in the book because people don't understand when people say Jim Crow laws. They think that Jim Crow laws are just some laws that just came about People sat down, they talked about it. But they don't realize that it started from a minstrel show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had to put that in there. And I know that it may cause some disturbances when people read it. But you must know where this stuff comes from. Exactly. Exactly. So we understand where we are right now. Um, the word of mouth. My mother used to tell me something and even she had her funeral preached about the pink Cadillac, your tongue. It can take you places and it can take you away from places. And I asked the minister, I said, well, what, what, what made you use that as the sermon? He said, well, that's, your, that's the sermon my, your mother wanted me to preach. Ah. I mean, my mother was always very thinking ahead of things. You know, she used to creative one in my household. So 
it made sense. And I think she might have been talking to me. <laughs> like, because she used to say, I mean, watch your tongue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Watch your tongue. And the tongue is what, what I think his name was Tom Rice. I'm not even sure what the guy's name is. He's, he's one person that I didn't want to even keep in my head because he was so asinine and the things yeah. that he did. And, but he started just the talking created a big, big, big mess. And it started after the legislators to take things back. I think Andrew Johnson, they started taking things back from us and said, yo, no, you can't get your 40 acres in it. You, you can't have this piece of land. You can't have anything because of Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing we do today. We, we go out here and as people, as humans, we find one thing about a person and use that one thing to pull them down against them mm-hmm. against them mm-hmm. and we should be pulling people up that's what we're here for to love and for no other reason and so when i was writing that i had to understand that my goal is to always present love somehow somehow love prevails and it did with Maggie Lena Walker, as you know. She was loved. I mean, the love for her people was immeasurable. It really was. Now, we, we're running out of time, but I want to talk about um, her building the bank. She was the first African-American female banker. And then she grew the business from the outskirts during voting rights time. She was amazing. I mean, she was just so ahead of her time. Talk about how she built this bank. Well, you know, we know that she was the first African-American female banker, but we also know that she was the first female banker, period. Period. (laughs) Right. I mean, so when when, when we say she was the first person on, first, woman on wall street she was she's the only banker yeah and she had people depositing money in her bank all the way up to new york mm-hmm. i mean she was traveling across the country getting people's money to put into yeah. her bank and she never lost the bank this is what is so remarkable when during the depression when everybody else was losing their banks and she tried to talk to them yeah, wouldn't listen because she, of course she was a woman, and she was a black woman. Yeah, and she was a black. Woman. Yeah, and they wouldn't listen. They lost their banks. She sold her bank. She consolidated her bank yeah. with Consolidated and Trust Company. So she didn't want her people to even lose their money. That was so, so progressive but she understood wall street yeah and i had to go back and research wall street and say okay wait a minute how did she do this well wall street i didn't realize that a rumor could cause the stock to go up and a rumor could cause today (laughs) you know and i think our president our ex-president former president you know 45 knew that so he Mm -hmm. could say whatever he wanted the stock would go up Say whatever you want, it goes down. Oh, that's right. 
and it happened then too. So Maggie was just probably truly brilliant yeah. and truly and truly anointed. Wow. Because that's the only way that she could have done what she did. And I am so thankful that God gave me that opportunity to write about her because yeah. I've been writing about her in my books, all the books that you've read, Blackberry Days of Summer. There's always a lady that comes in the club that gets mm -hmm. to get the table in front of the pearl who's singing. That lady is, her name is Miss Maggie Walker. Mm. Nobody ever asked me who she was or if she was <laughs> even a real person. But my editor at Simon & Schuster, Melanie, said, is this a real person? If it's a real person. <laughs> Because you were waiting for the last book. I sent the real last book in. They was like, is this a real person? And I said, yes, it is a real person. Can you write her story? And I yeah. said, yeah, let me write the story. Because I have been pushing this lady's name out there for a very long time, since 2008. Yes. And nobody, absolutely nobody, believed or asked me any questions about her. But I'm so thankful that I get to tell her story now. And I hope that I will make her family members that still left on this earth proud. Because even when I went to Richmond, there are people in Richmond that don't even know who she is. Oh, wow. So wow. this lady, hopefully, hopefully when this book is out, if it's out, eventually everybody across the world will know who Miss Maggie Lena Walker was yes. and what she still is to all of us who still have a goal in mind and we want to be successful about it. And against all odds, because this is who she was. Yes. Uh, we have to mention her mother lived with her. She had children. She had a wonderful, wonderful husband um, that supported her through everything. I just thought one day he was going to pick up and leave, but I was just so glad that he stuck with her, you know, in spite of what the people were saying about her, in spite of the lonely nights and the, you know, just all the different things that he went through, at, you know, as being her husband. But she had a tremendous family. She really, really did. A she tremendous did. family. Yep, yep. Ruth, you've got a book launch coming up uh, June 13th. Tell us all about it. Okay, the book launch is going to be at the, at the uh, Auburn Avenue Research Library. It's been sponsored by Sherris Books. And if anybody knows, Sherris Books is a feminist bookstore. But I chose them because I love ER, who owns that bookstore. <laughs> he has been very inspirational in bringing stories to us, you know, about feminism, mm -hmm. about overcoming obstacles, especially women. And I wanted to use that bookstore and Miss Pearl Clegg, of course, rec recommended Pearl. the bookstore to me. So <laughs> I didn't know nothing about the bookstore before Miss Pearl Clegg told me about it. But I want to say that they're going to sponsor it. It's going to be at the Auburn Avenue Research Library. It's June 13th. Uh, the reception starts at 6 the actual uh, book so, book reading, signing, which won't be a reading. It's going to be a skit written by me. 
will be there. Uh, we start at um, at seven. We're going to have the wonderful Rhonda Thomas, who is a jazz musician yes. who travels with Roy Ayers and some other people who will be singing. So it should be quite a phenomenal event. It's free to the public. Come on in. Come on and purchase your book, but get to know who you are. Because as Miss Pearl said, it's inspirited. That means it's inside of you to do something. Let's do it. Let's yeah. start some things for us and to know that we deserve it. Because we had a lady named Magdalena Walker in 1903 who decided that we should have things and she made it happen. Oh, did she? She yeah. was she was all of that she really was um ruth thank you so much and for your heart for telling this story a right worthy woman uh, a novel by ruth p watson i hope that you'll come out to the book signing i can't wait to see. i'm going to be right there with you all can't wait to see you thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me and i just want to add that miss tawanda black will be the moderator so you need to come because she's going to ask the tough questions. And uh, you we know, we miss her. We miss her on the radio. So we are, we're, we're hoping that we get her back on the radio real soon. So come on and check us out. It's going to be All phenomenal. Right. Thank, Thank you, Ruth. Thank you so much. Awesome conversation, don't you think? A wonderful book. You've got to get it to be a guest on the show. You can contact me at goodnews at thepgnetwork.org. Watch the show via PGN TV on all digital streaming apps or visit us at PGNTV.org. Look, we'll see you next time for some good news. God bless you.